Welcome to Search for Meaning. I'm Yoshi Zweibach. Thanks for joining me. My guests today are my colleagues, Cantor Emma Lutz and Cantor Nathan Lamb. I'm going to ask them about the new Machsor, the new High Holy Days prayer book that they've edited for Stephen Wise Temple, about the process, about the excitement they feel, about introducing it to the community for the first time. I think you'll love the conversation. Um, all right, are you guys comfortable? You got everything you need? Make a living. We're ready to start. You ready to get started? <laughs> ready to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, today it is my distinct privilege and honor to be with my beloved cantorial colleagues, Cantor Emma Lutz, Cantor Nathan Lamb. They're an extraordinary, extraordinary team and lots of fun to work with. And in particular, today we're going to talk about Shar Hashemaim, the new Machsor for Stephen Wise Temple. Nate, tell me about how you started thinking about wanting to create a Maxor like this for our congregation, this scope and this magnitude, what, what inspired you? That's an excellent question. And uh, when I first got to Stephen Wise Temple 42 years ago, Stephen Wise had created its own Maxor, and it kind of reflected the times and reflected where the synagogue was at it. And uh, Rabbi Zeldin was not really hands-on with the Maxor. He gave some people the job to do. One was Cantor Richard Silverman and a few other compilers and authors, and they did it. And uh, it was a mock sort that when I got here was kind of foreign to me. It didn't have much tradition in it. It didn't have much Hebrew in it. And uh, so the first day that I saw the Moxor was kind of the day that I thought about redoing that Moxor. I'm not joking or I'm not trying to be... Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't your approach. It wasn't your style. It wasn't something that was comfortable for you at that time. Exactly. It didn't have Unatana Tokef in it. It didn't have Rosh Hashanah Yikatev in it. A lot of things didn't have in How it. How long that, was the service? Like 20 minutes? What, what? Uh, 15. Uh, let's, not, let's not exaggerate. It was, it was about an hour and 45 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. They were pretty much timed out. Um, but there was a lot of the liturgy that was important to you that wasn't in the Moxor. That wasn't in the Moxor. Right. So then we had a the slight iteration of that. We changed it. Uh, and that was better, and that got changed, I think, two or three times, and while we were doing that, uh, both myself and Rabbi Hersher, when he became a senior rabbi, were really thinking about doing something different, something that reflected more where the congregation was moving towards, where it might be more inspirational and more traditional. And uh, then a few years ago, I think... We started doing these, we started testing the waters and doing kind of uh, experimental machzorim uh, for one service or another service. We actually had changed the Yisker and Neila service uh, 15 years ago. And about four years ago, we really started seriously working on this project to see if we could change the machzor, do a new machzor. And, and I remember coming to you and saying, Nate, why don't we just find one that's already been published? Our movement had just published Mishkan HaNefesh, but you really wanted to do our own Machsor. And I said to you, I said, it's going to be a lot of work. And you said, let's do it. Let's do the work. And uh, it was, the work was 
I knew the work was going to be difficult, and I knew it was going to take a lot of our time, and I knew that it was not going to be easy. But lo and behold, all of a sudden, an dropping angel in, came an into angel your life. dropping in from another planet called Hebrew Union College, J-I-R, mm. Cantorial School, Debbie Friedman Cantorial <laughs> School of Sacred Music. Here comes <laughs> Cantor Emma Lutz. And uh, Emma Lutz... And this is right when we were getting serious about the full-scale project. That's when Emma joined us as, as Cantor. And Emma is many things besides talented and a beautiful voice. And uh, uh, she is also really quite scholarly and she is smart and she is organized. One of the things I would say that in terms of my own qualities and attributes... You compliment each other. We compliment each other. How do I look today? How do you look today? We compliment each other. You look great, Nate. Thank you, Sonny. We compliment each other. I I knew that we were going in that direction. direction. Now, now, Emma, when you got started on this project, you're brand new, right out of Cantorial School, and suddenly you're being presented with this, on the one hand, awesome opportunity, but also probably a little bit frightening. It's like Mm -hmm. I I barely led a High Holy Day service as an ordained cantor, and now I'm writing my own mock story. Did did you ever feel that way? Like, what what am I doing here? Yeah, there's there's a great Stephen Sondheim quote from the musical Into the Woods where Little Red is singing, and she says that she's excited and scared. Um, So I think that's sort of how I felt coming into this new place and um, working on a new project. And, you know, I like probably so many millennials and Gen Xers and baby boomers grew up with the Gates of Repentance book, um, the old the old Red Machsor from, I believe, the CCAR Press. Um, beautiful book, beautiful reading. It was published in like 1976, the first, right. first edition. Yeah. Right. And I loved it, and I loved the readings, and it was familiar to me. I grew up on it, but... You know, growing up davening next to my mom who doesn't read Hebrew, there's no uh, transliteration in that book. There And there are a lot fewer access points. The translations of the Hebrew are very traditional. Um, so there's not a lot of room for different theologies or different expressions of our Jewish ideals and values. Um, but I still loved it. Um, and I was able to use a bunch of a bunch of different machzorim through my studies and, and different... Um, jobs that I had, you know, on the East Coast and in Jerusalem while I was in school. And coming to Stephen Wise, I never had been to a place that had its own machzor. So um, going back to your question about, you know, starting this new project, I was already in awe of the fact that we had our own um, and really excited, too, to be a part of, you know, what felt like a new and exciting chapter and really building on the legacy of um, a place that really values creativity. And when you realized that this, like at what point did you realize how big the project was? So I think that that took us a while. I think Nate and I started full steam ahead and um, we put a lot of energy into into our work that first year, which was, I think, was about two years ago that we really started working on it after my first year here. Um, and we were so excited to get the project rolling. And I think, Yoshi, you were the one that suggested um, sometime in the spring when we were starting to get a little nervous that we weren't going to have something finished, that perhaps we could um, beta test some of our services, which is what we did last year. And it was a really cool opportunity because we actually had a high holiday task force at the time. So a number of our lay leaders got to really have um, 
input into the project and we got to then take a breath collaborate with people you know outside the two of us as much fun and it gave um, us it gave us the gift of time yeah but also we did we got a lot of feedback from people right that was helpful and and it it allowed us to to really it made some more space for yeah. us well it always goes back to the axiom do you want it tuesday or do you want it good you know so Ayo. uh we had we'd actually finished a prototype for the whole moxor and then we stepped back from it and said let's Let's make this not good. Let's make this great. That's right. And so we did beta test for uh, Air of Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah Day. And uh, we got excellent feedback on it. And we knew what was going to work. We learned a lot from that. And then we went back full speed ahead and we took every page. We took every prayer. We retranslated every single prayer in the Moxor. We did sidebars on it thanks thanks to our, our whole our whole. Cl- Clergy staff, rabbi in camp. What, what is, I know this, but I'm asking for the listener. What is the purpose of the sidebar? What, is it, what does it do for the, the davener, for the person praying? Helps to elucidate the text, make it come alive more for them. It makes them connect more to it, gives them information that may inspire them, may move them to a different place. We hope that the liturgy, that the music and all of those things bring people, bring it opens their hearts up, but also you have to go from also from, from their brain, from their, so you're, you're, you're hitting many, many touch points with people to kind of get them to move to a higher level of spirituality. So it's not just they, you know, emote to some music. So the sidebars are there to help them to elevate their knowledge, to help them to know more about the what's in the mocks or about the what prayers. I, what I like about the way uh, Raz Husseini, our media coordinator who laid the book out for us, I like the way he, he laid those sidebars out because we tried to do it in a way that wouldn't distract the, the prayer. So if someone didn't want to go into that deeper intellectual exploration, they don't really have to. It's not right there. It's, it's off on the side. What's cool about the sidebars too is I think we were trying to be realistic about what the experience is of someone who comes to pray for the high holidays. A lot of people come every week for Shabbat and a lot of people aren't regular prayers. Um, and so sometimes it's a new experience for people um, every year. And we know that as much as much work and care that we put into creating the service and putting music and the sermons and the readings together, that people aren't just there for that. They're there for the, the holistic experience of being able to look around at other people and, you know, holding their prayer shawl, all those tactile experiences. And so we wanted to create something in the book that was able to meet the needs of our prayers. So even when you're listening or you're looking around, then you're also able to to look at the side of the book and let your mind wander and your soul wander a little bit um, so that you can explore some supplemental readings. And, and then that might help you even refocus your kavanah, your intention on the prayers even better. One of the things I love about what we've been able to accomplish is the visual elements of the machsor. And it is something that uh, when you think about earlier versions of our own Machsor, and when you think about the Gates of Repentance, Emma, that you mentioned from your childhood, or even Union Prayer Book, um, there, there was not a lot of visual art, or if any. And layout was, you know, it was clean, but it wasn't something that a lot of thought seemed to have been put into. And uh, early on in the project, we enlisted the support of Mario Muller, our amazing artist-in-residence here at Stephen Wise Temple, and then that grew and grew. Is there, is, is there a particular part of that experience for either one of you that was especially inspiring in terms of the visual 
components. And you'll see, obviously, there's a podcast, but you can go to the website and you can see some images. But a lot of the prints that are in the book, they're black and white. A lot of them are nature uh, elements, some of the elements from our campus. But then there are some elements that are actually our arc doors and things like that. But are there, are there certain visual things that you came across that really did something for you um, as, a, as a worshiper, you think? Well, when you look at the Psalms where Psalm says, Ma God lu how great are your creations, O God. And then you think of the visual on how someone sees the world through their, if you're an artist, and Mario is a fantastic artist, and how he sees things or how he, how he conceptualizes things to see that how the machsor impacted upon him and how then it translates back into his art form. We, uh, Cantor Lutz and, and myself, were more likely to do it through music, maybe through improvisation or some piece that we really love. Uh, you, Rabbi Yoshi, are a, are a musician and your compositions, and that's part of your expression besides your great learning and teaching. So for Mario, this was like, okay, he takes it and he conceptualizes it. And to be in the process, in particular where the three of us were really working on this process of trying to put visuals in there that were not, you know, just a picture of somebody, but just these abstract things or things that you could see and you can see different things. And I look at it differently than, than Emma does or than you do or Mario. And it became, it was just another thing to get us more and more excited about a project that was turning out. And it, it, it didn't grow on us. It grew in us and, and it, helped us to grow more. So the growth process of this Mahsor is beyond... Um, how many how many images did Mario create for us? And I know we, we culled it down, but how many original images were created? There were about 200 images that he created, and hopefully we'll be able to make you know those um, available for folks to see either on our campus or on our website. Um, and there are about 80 um, that are actually in the book. And, you know, look, if you pick up a traditional Mahsor, there's, there's never any image, I think because of the taboo against any graven images of God, there's a fear that anything could be perceived as an image of God. But I think part of the creativity of this project is understanding that folks know that this isn't an image of God, but rather our spiritual yearnings being expressed in different ways. And I think for people who are coming to the service who are perhaps different types of learners or different types of prayers, again, um, the pictures just offer this beautiful, unique, and different access point. What's interesting, though, is that illuminated manuscripts, you know, on the one hand, yes, there's this taboo against graven images, but on the other hand, we have this rich heritage of Haggadot um, right, exactly. and, uh, and other sacred texts, including biblical text. You can see some of these at the, at the Getty, uh, the Rothschild um, Bible. I mean, it's amazing. We have this whole tradition of that. And so to, to bring these images into the, the book, I think, was amazing. Along the way, we did a lot of studying, um, sometimes individually as we were preparing a sidebar, as we were preparing a reading, and also as a group. I'm interested for both of you as you know ordained cantors. Nate, you've been teaching cantors for decades mm-hmm. now. Um, what is something you came across in preparing this machsor that was new for you? A text that you came across that might have been new for you? A commentary? That might have been new for you. Something maybe in you that had changed. It was a text you'd seen a hundred times, but now you were sitting down to write something about it, and all of a sudden you saw it in a new way. Can you think of an example for either of you of that? I'm thinking about um, all the different interpretations of God that I met while we were working on this project. 
Um, so of course there's, there's the lofty and maybe distant patriarchal image of, of God throughout the Mahsor, but maybe most pointedly in Avinu Malkenu. Um, and then there's also this, this, uh, generous and loving and supportive, uh, shepherd who yearns for our, our redemption and our supplication in Unatana Tokef. And then I also love the different God that we meet at the end of all of these services in El Nora Alila, a God that is awesome, but also uh, dear to us. So I think being able to meet God at different points and in different expressions, and then we also worked really hard, I think. Uh, we're not where we want to be yet, but we worked really hard in making sure that all of this language, as Nate said, was translated appropriately and accurately, and also in an accessible way. So there are some prayers that were never going to change because when they were written, masculine or distant language was what was appropriate. But we've also offered um, some alternatives to those. So for example, for Avinu Malkenu, we have a Shechina Mekor Chayinu that is um, a different interpretation of the same words, um, but offers maybe a more maternal um, understanding of God. So I think just being able to meet God in different forms in the liturgy was just really exciting. Nate, how so, about for you? What's what's something? Yeah, well, Emma just said something interesting, uh, you know, on, on meeting God. And for me, the process and what we learned was almost the other way, meeting more people, that I saw a way of that maybe I had to change my viewpoint of how things relate to people, whether it's language even even gender language, um, how people relate to the paternalistic anthropomorphic God that 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 I mean kind of that I grew up with, and changing that so that it opened my eyes to, um, and and I and I had and I at one point I said I have to open my heart up, forget my eyes, I have to open my heart up to looking at things and letting things enter me a different way. That includes the music as well, and uh, we've had this discussion amongst the three of us, but uh, Yoshi, you've been an inspiration to me because you helped me, as I've told you many times, helped me to open up to looking at things or listening to things differently and maybe saying, so this music or that sound uh, resonates with this group or because of their background, but then we have to find ways of opening. And so one of the pictures, one of the one of the vision visuals in the Moxor is uh, we have one with a window opening up in an abstract and a door. Mm. And for me, that was that was like an epiphany because I realized that you got to go in the door one way or other. Somebody's either coming in or going out of that door. And so sometimes you have to go outside that door to bring somebody into your space. And sometimes you have to go inside their space and see what's, what, what's meaningful to them so that you can adjust and say, I think I have something valuable to give you, but you have something equally as valuable to give me, how you see the world and how God might be a part of yours. So it was really a fantastic process. And then one last thing, uh, Emma and I worked very closely on this, and it really gave, I think, for both of us a chance to, to be in each other's head in a certain way like, you really listen. You have to listen to the other person, what they're saying, and that can change you in a very positive way, like saying, that's an interesting way of looking. Maybe I didn't see it that way before. And so a lot of the stuff was just from the from my, from my our colleagues here in this, in this room we're sitting in uh, talking about uh, the prayers. Yeah, one of the things that I loved most about the, the process was 
the work that we did together and and listening to one another, challenging one another. And one of our colleagues said to me that this was the most collaborative thing that he's ever done in his rabbinet, period. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time preparing on our own te- for a class that we're going to teach, for a concert that we're going to give, for a sermon that we're going to deliver, and then to really be working together. The two of you were the primary partners driving the project, but as we continued, and certainly as we got closer to the end of the editing process, we brought the entire team together for read-throughs, we critiqued each other's um, writing, and people, what I saw was just tremendous openness. Like, if you could help me to make the piece that I wrote better, why wouldn't I welcome that? So there was a great sense of uh, collaboration, which I thought was really, really beautiful. So here we are, um, as we're recording this, we're just a few weeks out before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, what's something that you're most excited about with this new Machsor in terms of our community? I am most interested in each service looking at their faces as they open the Machsor and they discover in that Machsor something that, that uh, illuminates the tradition in their hearts. And at the very end, when the shofar is blown at the end of the Elah, that I know I'm going to look back and say, this is my 43rd time here at Stephen Wise Temple, that this was the greatest of all. And the Machsor that we all created helped to make this the most spiritual, uplifting high holidays ever. And that that's, and I know when they pick that, it's, first of all, it's a fantastic thing to pick up. It's beautiful. I mean, you pick it up. It's it's not overly big. It's not overly small. It's it's a great weight, and it, and the and the embossing on the front and the and the art just on the front of the cover is is gorgeous. And the way it feels. So that's for me. I love your enthusiasm. Nate. Makes me excited. Um, I'm excited and hopeful that there will be a piece of comfort and maybe a growing edge for every single person that picks this up. So I hope that there's something in there that they maybe recognize um, that we've taken from from the old prayer book, because there are some favorite readings that we, that we borrowed, um, or maybe a prayer and a musical setting that they love that's familiar to them, and maybe something that either we've written or a prayer that wasn't included before that makes them think about... Uh, the days of awe in a totally different way this year. That's that's my hope. Well, I want to thank you both uh, for all of the hard work that you've done for our community. As a colleague, I want you to know how much fun it's been for me and how joyful when when I said to you a few years back, Nate, you know, do you have any idea how much work this is going to be? Do you have any idea how how much in terms of resources it's going to take to pull this off? And you said, I, I do, and I think it's worth it. I think it's the right thing for our community. And I'm so glad that you encouraged us and inspired us to do that. And I'm deeply grateful to you, Emma, for really helping in so many ways to, to take all of the ideas that the team had and with a lot of patience and a lot of love bring things together. At some point in the process, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, but we hired our editor, uh, Beth Lieberman, and when did she join us? About, was it six, seven months ago? And her job was to really take us to the finish line. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. Jeremy Goldstein, um, our director of communications, and Raz Husseini just did an extraordinary job. Mario, as I mentioned, all of the clergy, Rabbi Wasnika, Rabbi Stern, 
Rabbi uh, Laufer, Rabbi Noble, Rabbi Hersher uh, contributed something. And what was also really beautiful is that we found some really special readings from Rabbi Zeldin that we included. And, uh, and, and even, even quotes from Rabbi Wise. Rabbi Stephen Wise, who, uh, and one of the things we talked about at one point was, you know, Rabbi Stephen Wise, our namesake, died in 1949, so none of us met him. But Rabbi Zeldin knew him, and by including his voice in our tradition, which is such a Jewish thing to do. You know, we include texts from the Bible. We include texts from rabbinic literature. Um, but by including our namesake, we feel his presence. Um, thank you very, very much for your time today. And thank you for everything you've done to bring this project to fruition. We can't wait to share it with our community. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you to Emma for being a fantastic colleague and partner in this endeavor. And thank you, uh, Rabbi, for being an inspiration to us and being supportive and saying, call kavod. Now listen, you're both cantors. So I think it would be, I didn't, I didn't ask you in advance, but I think it would be a shame if we concluded our podcast without just a little melody of the High Holy Days. Is there, is there one you could share with us? L'shana tova tikatevu L'shana tova tikatevu Tikatevu Vetechatemu Shana tova, everyone. Shana tova. Shana tova. Well, that's our podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes. Thanks to Cantor Emma and Cantor Nate for joining me. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Jeremy Goldstein, our editor, Raz Husseini. Our theme music was composed by David Cates and myself and features Josh Goldberg. Thanks again for tuning in. <laughs>